Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Sticky Hands Beekeeping and Me Making Podcast. So, everybody, um, this is your host, co host Brian Peruki, along with Brett Zempel. And we have a special guest with us. Say hello, special guest. Hello. And what's your name? My name is Barbara Hayes, H A Y S. Awesome. And uh, Brett, why don't you tell? Uh, why don't you uh, set off the, um, uh, you know, uh, the premise of today's uh, special podcast? Episode. Sure, I will. I, I can do that. So today's episode is outside of the realm of um, both beekeeping and meat making. Uh, I have a particular interest in the uh, distillation process. And uh, what's most intriguing and fascinating is old school, like moonshining, how people around the country actually um, made a living and supported their families. And, well, there's some other probably more notorious people that just did it for sheer profit. But the whole, the, in, in and of the whole process and... Um, and at some point, I'd like to be able to actually get a license from the feds to make really, really, really good farm fuel. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you don't uh, need that. You don't need a license from them to make really good, good farm fuel. Actually, actually, you do. Actually, oh, you do. Okay. Yeah, you I, do. Um, uh, and what's it? What I actually I went to a party the other day and. <clears throat> You have to have a still that's got a registered, that's actually has a registration on it and a serial number and and blah blah blah. So it's going to be a little bit of a process because we, you know, I have to get the money together to be able to even afford to buy uh, a, an official still that has a registration and numbers on it that I can actually put into the the form for the feds so anyway um, that's a that's a story for another day so well, i know uh, somebody who i know somebody who didn't need a special license to make moonshine and we have yeah. somebody yes who's sitting with us right now why don't you tell right. a little bit about this she already introduced herself but but we'll tell uh why don't we why don't you tell uh the people uh who are special guests to yeah this is this is a, a family friend um and uh, we, we got chatting just the other day, and much to my surprise, she actually comes from a, a history of moonshining uh, in New London, Connecticut. And I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Brian, since he's literally sitting right next to Barbara, uh, talk to you about it and give her the fifth degree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. So, but um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna open the floor up for Barbara to tell her awesome story that she told me um, pre uh, a while ago, and then she refreshed our memory a couple days ago with the story again. And I'm gonna let her, in her own words and own recollections, talk about it. And uh, I'll just set the set the the um, story uh, with. Uh, it takes place in New London, Connecticut, and her grandfather, who, when we started talking about this a little earlier before the podcast, I was doing some show notes. Turns out, I was saying, well, how old was your grandfather? Because um, my guest is 
73. So she's, uh, you know, been around. So she, you know, this is, this happened, this all happened in the fifties. Um, the, um, her recollect, her memories of, uh, of this moonshining process or in the late fifties, early sixties. But, um, he was born in 1888. So he was born in the 19th century. So, you know, and he lived a long life. He lived to 1975. Um, right, Barbara? Yes. And he was 87. And I believe you said he was, he just passed, his anniversary would have been what, on the 25th of January. And you said that he was born and he died on yes. Wow. That is a... Uh, that's one way to do it. If you're going to be born and go out on the same date, I mean, that's, that's one way to do it. At least people never forget when you were born, when you were, when you, you know, when you left us. But so Barbara, why don't you start us out with uh, that awesome story of when you were a kid? Okay. 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 <laughs> I grew up in new London, Connecticut, lived in the same house with my grandfather and my parents. We were in a three story Victorian house on Howard street in New London. Lived there until I married, so I'm here quite a while. Uh, as a child, my grandfather always had the spills going in our cellar. We lived in the old house. All the windows were blocked off on the cellar so nobody could see what was going on down there. Every Saturday, we would go at five o'clock and meet at the A&P grocery store to buy all the fruit, vegetables, anything they wanted to get rid of on the weekend so we could use it to process to make homemade hooch. My dad did this for a number of years. My grandfather did it with him, the two of us, and I was always in on the show. Well, you always told me, you always told me that you were, uh, you were grand, you were very much your father's little girl. You loved to ride his coattail, so to speak. You were always with him. You loved to hang out with him. You were always by his side, right? right. So always. naturally, I guess that that's when you would be, I guess, exposed to all this. Right? These memories of down the beach, oh, yeah. the stills going. Yes. And what was that so, one story about? Tell we'll we'll yeah. get to that okay. in a minute. Okay. So growing up, anyway, we had an old 1948 Chevrolet. I'll never forget it. Jet black. Anyway, Daddy made the trailer for the back that he towed. And well, that's when we would go to the A&P and we would buy all the food that was left over because they couldn't hold it on the weekends. Anyway. Uh, it was fruit, veggies, and a combination of lots of things. And then the meat, we grew to different things in the store. Uh, anyway, but what, was, what did you want me to tell? Oh, about, uh, you were on Sundays. I remember you telling me. Oh, was... on Sundays. We, we were raised Catholic. You notice I said raised. Yes. That didn't really work. Anyway, every Sunday morning, my grandfather would give each of us grandchildren 10 cents. And we would go to a bakery called Seifert's Bakery, which was a Jewish bakery okay. down on Bank Street in New London. Is it still in operation, you think, today? No, it's no longer no. in operation. But we would go there. There were seven of us kids that grew up in the same house, all my father's two sisters and himself. We all, there were seven kids between us. We would go to Seifert's Bakery and ask for a pound of yeast, each one of us children. <laughs> and we were forbid. To say what it was for, we couldn't tell any stories. All we knew was my grandfather sent us to do this. When we would return to the house down on Howard Street, we in turn would each get a nickel. That was our pay for doing this job. Nice. Anyway, we did, we did that for many years. Many, many years I remember doing that. What, 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 what could that nickel get you back in the day? What, what you go to the candy? You go to the store, you probably could get 20. Candy, of Candy, of course. <laughs> That'll be a whole bag full for a nickel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Huh. Okay, mm. 
Well, okay. We're, we're, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you some questions, and then you can. Okay. So you said you're okay. So, um, that was the one story about the ten cents. So when you went to get the yeast, right? How much do you, do you remember? What the to the the ten cents he gave you could buy the yeast? Buy yeah, it was yeast. a pound a pound at a time. She said, a pound I, at I, a time. Yep, mm-hmm. pound at a time. I I remember she also said that her neighbors would often call the police on her. Oh no, that uh, wasn't because they. That yeah, but, yeah, that was that, those were, huh? Tell, yeah, it was a relative. That so was my yeah, aunt. So tell them that story too. So okay. you, your relative, right? It was with my through marriage. A, my father had a twin sister, and she was a pain in the neck. Anyway, she never had a lot of money. She spent all her money on booze to drink with, and buy beer and wine for herself. So when her money check would run out at the end of the month. She would come to my grandfather and say, Papa, can I borrow $5? Can I borrow $3? And he would loan her the money, give it to her or whatever. This would go on every single month. I, I remember it so well. Anyway, if he said he wasn't going to give her any money that day, then she'd say, well, I'm going to call the New London police on you. And he'd say, go ahead, do what you have to do. It's okay with me. They know I run the stills still. So she would do that. She would in turn call the police station. They would have to come down. The house was locked up tight as could be. So nobody could get in. And uh, she just went on and on with the police, you know, with, with my dad and my grandpa doing this. Okay. In the end, when they came, they'd say, yes, we do have the stills going. There was no sense in lying about it because everybody knew who my father was. And uh, fortunately, he would be real nice to the policeman and in return, he would give them a bottle of liquor, homemade hooch, which was 140 proof. Wow. And nice. they made and they, had, and, and they had no complaints about that. Right. Wow. So they always received a bottle in return, and that was the end. They went on their way. She went on her way and probably fell asleep, and that was for that night. But she was a real nuisance about it. So hmm. um, anyway, I remember that so well. Um Anyway, she, she was quite a heavy drinker, as was my dad. Uh, another thing we did was we had a little summer house in a town called North Stonington, Connecticut. My dad owned a big chunk of land over there, and we used to go there. And there was, it was well-supplied, well-stocked with liquor, and I happened to know where the keys were. So as a teenager, I would take some of my friends, and we would go there, open up the house, have a party, fill the bottles with water, lock everything up, close it all up like nobody was ever there. Nobody ever caught on to it. Never. Mm. You're telling never. me they never figured out <laughs> they that They never water... approached me about it. Your gra- mm. Well, the, you're telling me you filled it up with water. That was pretty uh, That was pretty good. You didn't. I, I thought maybe you would have cut it maybe just a... No, no just water. And you guys so, never so. got caught. No. no. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, sneaky. Also, the still... I still have... Indirectly, I still have the stills and the copper bat, um, oh, help, her, help her out. I think I don't. Brett, the arm is it the arm she's talking yeah, she about? Has, the... She has the main kettle. Uh, right. Actually, right. I think your daughter has it. She gave right. it to her my daughter. daughter. My daughter has that in Boston. I held on to it for years and years and used it as a magazine holder. And then eventually, when I moved out to Florida, I gave it up and gave it to her. She collects antiques, so it was perfect person for her to have it. So. She and still uses she, it. And I think she uses it as a magazine rack. Right, she does. We're going to try to get her to, we're going to get a picture of that. 
and we're going to post it on the Sticky Hands Beekeeping and Meatmaking dot com blog, so people can see um, our listeners can see a piece of history and actually put um, a face to it, as you were, of what was being used in that time in somebody's house. I think that would be really cool. We just have to get uh, your daughter to do a quick snap and, and send it over the phone and and then get it to me. That would be terrific. We can we can do that. Hey, sure. did, did you ever go out with your dad or your grandfather? Like, did they make deliveries or did they do everything from the house? People just come to the house. Everything was done from the house. Everything was done from the house. Right. Nice. Right. And how much did you say he would sell? So you said, didn't you give us a price? He would sell a gallon of hooch for how much? A gallon of hooch, I think. I want to say that also was $140 a gallon. Or 140, 160. I remember you said something around the one, right? Yeah. That's a lot of, even back in the 50s, that was a huge chunk of change, right? I, I don't know the price for inflation, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's at least now probably at least double, right? Uh, um, but I, I, it really depends uh, on, oh, inflation. Yeah, I don't know those numbers. But My father had the stills going until I got married, which was in 1963. And after and he, that, he still had them going for several years. Before 1970, he finally turned the stills off once and for all. Why, 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 why did he retire from it? I'm not really sure, to tell you the truth. I don't uh, know. I would, I would you think moved because, out, he, he lost one of his good helpers, that's for sure. Yeah, he lost me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody, to, nobody to run on Sunday mornings to get the East anymore. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> You probably put Seifert's Bakery out of, out of business. You bought all their yeast. The yeast they needed to make the damn, uh, right. the, all the challah bread and stuff. Um, I, have, but, uh, I, have, that was, I have a question. Do you, do you know the, I, I know that you got some fruits and stuff like that from the market. So obviously he probably was making some brandies from here and there, but the main hooch that he made, was he making corn whiskey? Do you know what, do you know the ingredients that he was using? Not the specific yeah. exact recipe, like 15 gallons of this or anything like that, but did you ever see him put a, a recipe together? No. It from, no. No, I think it was all in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Smart cookie. Kept yep. everything in his head. That's smart. That's the way to do it. You don't write anything down. I mean, because at, at the end of the day, even back then, I mean, this was after Prohibition, Obviously, uh, once uh, prohibition was over, right, the Twenty First Amendment, we, we we were able to uh, uh, consume alcohol, but still making making moonshine or making liquor back then was illegal. Right. Um, it was even illegal up to that time. But I guess, obviously, being born in eighteen eighty eight, you know, he lived through that Harris, so he lived yeah. through prohibition. And I, you know, I wish, it, yeah. And I think it's so interesting just to hear about these uh, stories because. You know, people think moonshiners. What do we always think? We think of people down south, and mm -hmm. only people down south did the moonshine stills. And I think that gets glorified on TV and in the movies. But I don't think people understand that it was it was just another went around. That's just what people did just to get by and scrape and save and scrimp and and they had to make their own liquor. You know, whether they did it for bartering, selling to make ends meet. I mean, that was just a way of life. It was just a different way to. Uh, you know, produce a product just for either their own personal consumption 
because uh, they didn't have the money to buy it or they wanted to barter. And I think that's awesome. I, I, I think even today there's a place for that here, you know, and um, you know, I'm sure you would agree with me, Brett, on that aspect. Well, unfortunately, it's um, need a license. That's the way it goes. And, and, and the feds are really, really, really sticklers about it. And, um, you know, that's it. Unless you're willing to risk stuff, you know, like the, if you've ever heard of, I'm just going to touch on this briefly because we're kind of running short on time uh, to try to stick to our 15, 20 minutes little sound bites. Um, the, the deal is, is when you get caught, whatever property that you're on, if you own that property, you've lost, it gets seized. So there's a, there's a huge gamble that is taken if somebody is going to do it under the wire and illegally um and if you're willing to take that risk great and that's more times that, that's why they never really did it where they live they went to the backwoods or, or yeah. someplace because they, they they never owned that property and the most of what happened is the stills would be destroyed and the feds would tip over the fermentation buckets and destroy the stills and mm -hmm. hopefully nobody was standing there because those people would more times than not get arrested so um yeah, so that so your your dad and your grandfather actually were big risk takers, and in that regard. But I guess when it, the chips fell, you know they did what they had to do to support the family and get you through get you through hard times. Mm. Definitely, and uh, it was just great to hear the story, Barbara. Thank you for sharing that story with us and all the listeners out there. I think I think sometimes we fail to um listen to people that um you know that are are, are uh, born pre-1950 or older people that have great stories about the older generations because since we can't talk to howard anymore uh, you know and your grandfather your or your father you know we just go by the the oral history that you, you know that uh, from people that can recount it like yourself. I think that's awesome because I, I, I'm a big fan of history. It doesn't matter what it is. I just love hearing cool stories and I do appreciate you taking the time to share that with us. You're welcome. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. We appreciate it. Okay. Have a good hey, evening. You, got, you have a great rest of the day and Brian, uh, I guess we're going to oh. sign off. I'm going to have, I'll go on to say one more thing. So we, um, I think I just want to, ended on this so barbara actually got to uh yesterday she never you cut out somebody cut out damn it all right well i think brian's gone brian did something Okay, well, I guess I'm going to end it by myself. Not sure what Barbara and Brian did yesterday. I guess he must have went out of service. So anyway, this is Sticky Hands Beekeeping and Meat Making Podcast. And I hope you guys buzz by again and listen to more about beekeeping in the Northeastern United States and meat making for anyone around the world. I hope everybody has a great week. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. And I think Brian just came back. Brian?